Yeah, it's sports talk from the three bros. Something you can bet on like Pete Rose. And you better not miss it like some free throws. Giving taste is more accurate than Drew Brees throws. And it might get explosive like some C4. We just giving you a look inside the peephole. So if you got a weak take, you better keep those. And get your cheeks swole when you step into the ring with the Ami Bros. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are back. Another week, another episode of the Ami Bros podcast. I'm one third of the trio better known as the Ami Bros. DeMart here is your host. Uh, with my brothers, Jeremy 85. Jeremy, what's popping? How you guys feeling today, man? What's going on? Man, I'm feeling good, man. We got a little midday pod going, a little, little mid-potsky. A little, yeah, you know, we're lunch, lunch, lunch. Oh, we, had to get some, you know so we had to get some uh, some content out, you know what I mean? So I'm glad you guys were able to hop on, knock it out. Jeremy, what's popping in Charlotte, man? You all right? Hey, man, I, I'm good to go, man. I, I'm feeling good. My, uh, my Pelicans have been playing pretty good, man. We went through a little stretch of eight games against Clippers, Blazers, Blazers, Nuggets, Lakers, Nuggets, Mavericks, Celtics, and came out five and three. Now, LeBron got injured, and, you know, the Mavs might have said Luka, but who cares? We <laughs> are back, baby. Let's go. Okay, yeah, man. Uh, uh, I'm about to say LeBron, but uh, Zion, man, he's he's definitely proven, you know, why he uh, was selected so high in the, in the and the clout that was surrounding him coming into the league, man. Well, let's get into it, man. First of all, shout out to everybody tuning into us another week. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Um, we got a lot to talk about today, man. So let's get into it. Um, let's start with the NBA. Uh, the Lakers are adding uh, Andre Drummond uh, to the roster, and then uh, the Nets out in Brooklyn added Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's start with you, Jeremy. Uh, which one was a bigger signing at this point, in your opinion, uh, for the Lakers compared to uh, the Nets? Uh, the bigger signing is LaMarcus Aldridge. The better signing is Andre Drummond. And I'll tell you why the bigger signing is LaMarcus Aldridge. Because now LaMarcus Aldridge gets to retire with a ring. That's the only reason it's big. Because he's really not going to be an impact player, but nobody's beating Brooklyn. So, um, Andre Drummond is a solid player. He's a solid, he's a decent defender, the best rebounder in the league, and he's an average scorer. Um, so do I think he helps the Lakers? I do. However, there's this one big flaw he has. He's the worst free throw shooter maybe in the history of basketball. And so what that's going to do is if you're really going to allow teams to foul him and put him on the free throw line in big situations, and he's going to be awful there. So um, I think ultimately what you're going to have is Andre Drummond, who can't space the floor at all, is going to clog up the lane, um, which is going to force LeBron to shoot a lot more shots. If you even if you look at the bigs that LeBron has played with, um, most of them are most of them can spread the floor. Now, last year you had Dwight Howard who can't, um, and JaVel McGee who can't, and he he tended to play pretty well with them. But they were playing limited minutes, and generally they were on the floor more for their defensive capabilities against Jokic or or someone else who can really um, you know dominate them inside. For the most part, you know they're more alley hoop catching, you know high flying guys who can who can run up and down the floor. Um, LeBron catches them on the alley-oop. They catch them on a fast break. You know, basically they're getting their points in transition. Andre Drummond is not really a I'm going to get up and down the floor type guy. He's more of a low post, you know, low jumping. I, I don't know how he gets as many boards as he does because he doesn't get maybe half an inch off the ground. Um, but he's uh, he's he's got some ability. So I, I think uh, ultimately he's the better player out of 
everybody, Blake Griffin's washed up. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge right now is not who he used to be. Um, and so, honestly, I look at it more like these are just two older players who are jumping on the bandwagon so that they can get a ring. Ultimately, I think it's going to um, work out for them. You know, Andre Drummond, just, so, just in case you guys are wondering, Andre Drummond is a career 46% free throw shooter, 46.6% uh, free throw shooter. So, I mean, ultimately, I, I think it's going to come back to bite them. All right, Jared, Jared, what are your thoughts on this? So, I would agree in the sense that I think that the trade is a uh, – the, the, the team that got the best of the trade is the, – or are the Lakers with Andre Drummond. I think when we look at it, though, I think Jeremy's underselling a couple points. First and foremost, the argument that LeBron typically only plays with guys who can space the floor throughout his career is, is just not accurate. If you go throughout his career, he's had Anderson Verjao, who started for four years in Cleveland, who couldn't hit a, a, a perimeter jump shot. Had Tristan Thompson for the the next three years or four years that he was in, in Cleveland, couldn't really hit a perimeter jump shot. Timothy Mozgov was on there, couldn't hit one. Dwight Howard, you mentioned a little bit earlier. He's had guys that, I mean, obviously, uh, Bosch could hit, Hit jump shots, but, well, but a lot well, of times, just but I don't want to interrupt. But Verjao, that's a good point. But he he's what, what, like another one of those Dwight's where he got up and down the court, made a lot of dunks, and honestly, they didn't. They were more defensive oriented teams. But um, Moskov had some offensive capabilities, and he wasn't a spacer, but I mean, he could knock down a 10, 15 foot shot, and and really you know pull pull the guys right away from the rim a little bit. Andre Drummond doesn't have that ability. I, I disagree. I think Andre Drummond has that ability. I think it's uh, it's going to boil down to this. I think Andre Drummond has the ability to, one, get up and down the floor. Two, he gets a lot of alley-oops and dunks. And thirdly, I think it's going to boil down to this. You're going to have a situation where you, you need someone who's going to guard bigs. I, I don't I don't care what everybody – everybody talks about, oh, yeah, Brooklyn and how, how good Brooklyn is. Brooklyn's winning a lot of games versus a lot of bad teams. I've never seen a team play more bad teams – over a three-month stretch than Brooklyn has. I feel like every night they're playing the Pistons or the Rockets or the Hawks or whoever. And they were playing the Hawks before the Hawks were even winning. So I think when, when you look at it, I think there's a, a reason to believe that that's not going to be sustainable long-term. They're not going to consistently just play bad teams all the time. And um, I think that's really where we're at right now. I think it's, it's a situation to where they're going to have to eventually – play some good teams and a lot of these games are playing like last night they ended up winning the game by double digits versus the the rockets but they were down double digits for the entire game and the rockets basically just stopped scoring and then joe harris hit seven threes and had 28 points and they ended up winning but a lot of these games like they're not playing versus great teams also i think the other aspect that we need to look at is this as much as we can look at, at Brooklyn and, and say, all right, yeah, these guys, and I think Blake Griffin is actually playing pretty good ball. LaMarcus, I think, can still, I think he's still a, a, an average starting power forward. If not, he's a, a very high-level guy off the bench. And from the reports, they're basically going to phase out DeAndre Jordan. He's likely not going to be with the team after the season. And this year, they're probably going to play more minutes for LaMarcus at center and then class them behind him. But with that being said, they didn't solve any problems they have. What was the problem of Brooklyn? They don't have anybody that can defend. Right now, if they go versus the Lakers and the Lakers are healthy, who's guarding Anthony Davis? Kevin now Durant. Now LaMarcus Aldridge. Okay. <laughs> Kevin, Durant, Kevin Durant at 172 pounds, 7 foot, is not guarding Anthony Davis. And if he does, he's worried about Anthony Davis. 
nobody's worried about Anthony Davis. Okay. All right. With that being said, if, if Kevin Kevin Durant can't guard LeBron from a physicality standpoint, Anthony Davis is at least as big as LeBron. Um, and, and then if Kevin Durant's guarding Anthony Davis, who's guarding LeBron? Like I, I like so. I think at the end of the day, you still have this issue where if you play versus the Lakers, the Lakers have the ability to beat you in whatever way you play. Now, by adding Drummond, they can go versus a, a team that has Jokic and Aaron Gordon and uh, you know a lot of size, Michael Porter Jr., etc. And they can go big. They yeah, can go versus the team. Let me finish. They can, let, me, let me finish this part. So they, they can go versus a team that's big. There's a lot of teams with size. If they end up playing versus Philly with with uh, Ben Simmons and Embiid and, and a size, they can play size. But if they play the Nets, where the Nets like to play small ball, they're going to be able to match up and say, all right, Shooter, LeBron, uh, AD, Kuzma, and either KCP or Marquise Morris or uh, – I mean, th- that, that type of lineup. I think they're, they're, they're set up to still win, so I think that signing's bigger because they're going to need it more playing versus bigs in the West. Go ahead. Well, what are the, what's the Lakers' problem? Lakers' problem is health. And they need shooters. I think they probably should pick up an extra shooter. Um, I think Austin Rivers is still out there. Uh, they they may they they need an extra shooter unless KCP is going to shoot like he did in the playoffs last year. Last year KCP shot the ball extremely well in the playoffs. I expect them to sign another person. Avery Bradley might be signed, but that's really their only weakness besides injury is they need a an, an extra shooter on their on their roster because Wes Matthews has been absolutely terrible um, compared to what he was expected to be. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I was going to go that way. So, shooting. The Lakers are the fourth worst three-point team as far as makes uh, on the season. And they're 24th as far as three-point percentage. They shoot 34.8% from three. So, if we just look at it from that standpoint, I don't think anybody's really worried about having to stop you guys. I think it's more of we're just going to pack the paint and tell you dare to shoot. I think from the standpoint of you guys, you have to worry about – Hey, the fact that Brooklyn hits four more threes on average per game than we do, how are we going to make up that difference? And the difference is going to be we're going to grab 20 more rebounds than them because they have nobody who's going to be able to grab a board. Well, they're not going to miss shots, so you're going to have to – there's going to be nothing, no rebounds to grab. Like, I know you brought up their their, their schedule, but I just want to go through, you know, what, they, what they've done since Harden got there because, I mean, they, they beat the Warriors, Kings, Suns, Lakers – Clippers. Oh, they uh, the Lakers without Schroeder and AD. That's not a real win versus the Lakers. They I mean, Schroeder and AD, but they were missing KD. So, I mean, what do you But Schroeder and AD is, is two starters compared to one starter. Yeah, but I mean, Schroeder's, Schroeder's a guy. Um, Spurs. But if, if I said Kyle Kuzma's out, he's, I mean, what's, I mean, Schroeder's a guy, man. Come on, like Schroeder's not a difference maker. You guys got yeah, blown out. We're, we're not making up the difference. Here's the thing: They're, they didn't beat a legitimate Lakers team. You can count on a win, but it's not like oh, we beat the Lakers. Okay, so so LeBron is not the main player on the Lakers. Okay, He's the main player on the Lakers, and the Warriors beat the Cavs without Kyrie and Love back in the day. That doesn't mean only oh, LeBron's the main guy. That doesn't mean that they beat a healthy Cavs team. Jared, just so where who is Schroeder to love? No, Jared, stop. He's at by far our best perimeter defender. And we, without that, we had nobody to guard uh, Kyrie Irving. Okay, so who who is your um, 
Who won six man of the year last year? A uh, six man of the year was was Montrez Hero. Okay, so he was there. Okay, um, <laughs> is he guarding Kyrie Irving? Is he guarding on the perimeter? No, yeah. Who else yeah. Is guard on the perimeter there? Yeah, no, nobody can guard Kyrie. I think you're saying that you have nobody to guard Kyrie. You have nobody yeah. to guard James Harden. You have nobody to guard Kevin Durant. That's gonna be your issue. I mean, first off, Caruso missed the game, and and uh, what you call it missed the game. So we had no point guard. So who's guarding anybody? It's not about like oh, who's going to shut down Kyrie, even though Kyrie played terrible that game. Uh, I think he was seven for was seven for twenty. But even with that being said, you got to remember we had nobody to guard that position. So I'm just not counting that as a legitimate win, I mean, or as a like it's a legitimate win. But they didn't beat the Lakers. They beat a shell of the Lakers. Okay, so we'll, okay, we'll, we'll we'll count the Clippers. We'll count the the Suns. We'll count everybody. We'll count the Jazz. I mean, we count all the other teams that are actually you know above the Lakers, but. Cool. Um, Celtics, Knicks, Blazers, Jazz. I mean, what, what are we talking about, Jerry? Like, we're talking about a, a team. I know, I know they're in the Eastern Conference, so they don't play a, a whole bunch of, like, superstar teams. But against teams with a winning record, I think they're, like, 15-3 and three or something like that. It's something crazy. So, I mean, the, the, the Nets have proven that they can beat great teams. And – they just got too many score. They got too many options, and it's not because of Lamarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin. It's literally because Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant are all individually unstoppable. And there's no way you're going to play against them to where one of them isn't feeling like he's unstoppable, and you're going to have to deal with that person that night. And that's I agree. When- offensively, they made they made the most offensive offensively talented team in the NBA's history. But reality wise, the Lakers are the number one defense in the league. They still, when healthy, have two guys who are, are unstoppable offensively. And on top of that, they have a, a, a team full of, of scrappy guys who could grab a ton of rebounds, play good defense. And I expect I, if you look at the teams in the NBA, there's only one team, when healthy, that is a top 10 offensive team in the league and a top 10 defensive team in the league, and that's the Lakers. And when you no, look no, at no, – No, 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 You guys are 21st-ranked offense. We're 21st ranked offense because we've been missing AD and then LeBron and all these people. When, when they're healthy, the Lakers are a top 10 offense in the league, unquestionably. Um, I mean, maybe, but, I mean, it's, it's, you guys aren't a great offense right now because you can't shoot. And, I mean, from a defensive standpoint, you guys are still ranked high, but the Knicks are overtaking. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think we're going to have to wait and see. But I, I, don't, I don't see the Lakers getting out of the Western Conference, much less – Getting to the finals and beating Brooklyn. Whoever plays Brooklyn is going to get much time. So that's my opinion on it. Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Interesting to see what happens in the NBA. You know, the the Nets are obviously loading up. Uh, they got a lot of firepower right now with Blake Griffin. You know, adding um, adding Lamarcus Aldridge as well. So I mean, it's going to be some interesting basketball, man. It, we definitely uh, it seems like we're headed towards the Lakers Nets finals. Um, if the Lakers can get there, man, it seems like they have a, have a lot going on as far as. Uh, Far as being healthy, so I guess we'll see, man. You, you, you mispronounced Pelicans. Oh, okay. The the <laughs> le, the le, Lelicans? <laughs> the Smelicans. <laughs> right. Um, let's talk about this, man. It's hot off the press, man. Stay in the basketball. We're gonna switch to some college. Uh, Roy Williams, man, one of the one of the best college coaches of all time, called it quits, man. I, I think it's probably probably about that time, man. I know he had some health problems a few years ago, and I think he's I think Roy's got to be, you know mid 70s or 80s i'm not sure uh but let's talk about his legacy and you know where you see the the program going from here let's start with you jerry so um 
Roy right now is this is his thirty third year as a coach, but he's age seventy, so he's not super old, but he's definitely up there in age. And when you look at him, I mean, as, first I'll talk about Roy as a basketball coach. Roy is one of the greatest basketball coaches in college basketball history. Um, Three time national champion, um, nine hundred and three wins, which is third most all time uh, in men's college basketball. Um, and you look at uh, and he's only behind. Uh, Coach K and Bobby Knight, I believe, um, on the all-time wins list. And since he's been at UNC in 2003, I mean, you you could argue that they've had the best program in the country. I mean, you can look at it as them or Duke or or uh, I mean, there's a I mean, Gonzaga hasn't won a national championship. So I, th- I think they've won the they've won the most national championships since he's been there of of any team. I think maybe they're them and uh, Duke or Todd. They have the most Final Fours. They have the most Elite Eights. They have the most Sweet Sixteens. He's put together. Obviously, when he got there, they had some talent with Raymond Felton and Rashad McCants and a lot of those guys. But the poor coaching there, they, they hadn't won really anything. I think they they were a six seed in the tournament that that year. The previous year, they were no, no. I'm sorry. The year before he, he got there, they, they they were in the NIT tournament. I think they may have won it uh, before he he took over. So. Um, I think obviously he's going to leave behind a great legacy there at UNC as long as well as at Kansas. Although, you know, after he left Kansas, Bill Self came there and kind of has this run going extremely well there as well. With that being said, I think there are um, UNC needs to find a legitimate high. I mean, a, a high level coach. Uh, there's talk. I, like, like I said, I, I, we were talking about a little bit earlier. When we were saying like, hey, what about some assistants on their bench? Um, you know, Sean May or Hubert Davis. Uh, Wes Miller was a former player there who's done an excellent job at UNC Greensboro. They made the tournament, I believe, the last four straight years. Um, and he, he's, he's built a, a very solid program there. Side note, very, very awesome, I mean, ridiculous shooter. Um, we have a boy named Cooley who we played tennis with who also was a good basketball player. And we were at the gym at Charlotte Country Day with Wes Miller, his, his high school senior year. And they were shooting threes and then backing up a step. And Wes didn't miss until he was well past half court. So, um, I mean, the, the, the dude had, had a scope. I mean, at, at this point, I, I would love to get out there and and, uh, and, and try my, my shot at it. But, you know, listen, at that time, I, I, wasn't, in that, uh, I wasn't in that realm. Anyway. At that so I think time. That, not at that time, right? Right now, on the basketball yeah. ball outside, I feel, I feel yeah. very That's confident. It's definitely wet now, though, right, Jerry? Hey, listen, listen. It's wetter than, 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 uh, than, than pool towels, you know? Anywho. Um, Wow, I think, I think the t- the guy who I would personally go after, if it were me, I would go big game hunting. Scott Drew is the the basketball coach at Baylor. I know people would be like, "Oh yeah, well, why would he leave Baylor? Baylor right now is number one or number two in the country, uh, and is in the Final Four. He's done such a phenomenal job at Baylor. But there's only a certain degree. Of, uh, Baylor's never going to be a perennial basketball powerhouse. He's right now winning without having great recruiting classes. He's having good players, but he's not he's not getting five-star McDonald's All-American recruits on a consistent basis. And the, the side note, he's brought that that program back from the biggest scandal in in college sports history. I don't care what anybody can talk about, you know, SMU and their, you know, paying players the Pony Express and all that. Literally, Baylor had a player on their team murder another player on their team and their coach covered it up. Go back and look at it. Like it was the biggest scandal that still, for some reason, is not talked about as much, but that a player murdered his own teammate and the coach covered it up, um, and, and he's got them to top three, top two team in the country. I would go after Scott Drew. 
realistically, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I think there's some other guys that you could you, you take a swing at. Take a swing at Jay Wright at Villanova and see if he leaves. I take a swing at um, Bennett from uh, from UVA and see if see if he leaves. I mean, obviously, he's got a great thing going there. He won a national championship there a couple years ago. But I mean, can you imagine what, what he did at Washington State as well as what he did at Virginia? If you imagine if he got to UNC where he's going to get blue chippers consistently. Uh, but uh, like I said, I think it's a, a, a fantastic career for Roy Williams, and they're going to have to figure out something very quickly because I think if he had made this decision a little bit earlier, they likely could have gotten Shaka Smart, which I think would have been an excellent hire. Um, but now it's going to be trying to figure out who you can get from another program because I don't see any blue chip prospects really out there that are not employed currently. You know what? This is- yeah, man, I, I will hardly agree with your comments, man. Roy has definitely left the legacy. Um, I'm interested to see uh, the, the Dukey his comments on uh, on the departure from Roy Williams. So I'm gonna I'm leave it to you, Jim. You know, this is this is just so unfortunate um, that Roy Williams is leaving the program. You know, I, I'd hate for you guys to go back to what you look like under Matt Doherty. <laughs> <laughs> I know we look a lot like Duke this year. <laughs> oh, that's just a normal year for you guys. I, this year for us was like. Last year we weren't we weren't nearly as bad this year as you guys were last year. So uh, <laughs> anyway, continuing. I don't know. About that. Yeah, y'all lost first round in the tournament. Y'all finished dead last in the conference. <laughs> we uh, we yeah, actually won a better conference this year. The ACC is awful. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's the reason why you guys actually made the tournament. Uh, but ultimately, what we're looking at is I don't know. You guys falling back into the UCLA train where, you know, you might have one run every 10 years. I, I don't think you guys are going to be uh, perennial stars anymore. I mean, I don't, I don't see it happening. So, uh, ultimately, you already have, you know, one of your top players from this year or one of your top prospects from this year, the freshman, Walker Kessler, um, who's seven foot one senior from Georgia, um, has already decided he's going to transfer. Dayron Sharp has announced he's entering the NBA draft. Sterling Manley. And uh, Walker Miller, who they didn't play much this year, but um, they have entered the transport for portal as well. And so I, I think you're going to struggle some. I, I think West Miller might be you guys' best option because, I mean, you can go out to Jerry Stackhouse. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, the thing about it is, is there's probably some good some good candidates, but mostly the ones you go after are going to be a lot older. So um, do you want to have somebody who can come in and do a great job for five to ten years, or do you want to try to hire somebody who, you know, if you're able to find a hit, would be a you know a great um, a great uh, coach for you know a very very long time. So um, there's a lot of different options you could go with. You could try to go to the NBA route. Um, I hear Alvin Gentry you know is available, so maybe you get uh, Alvin over there. He's from he's from <laughs> Shelby, North Carolina. So um, you know maybe get him back in there. I don't know. Maybe maybe James Worthy or somebody wants to come back and and uh, help throw Alvin Modern. You know what? I, I say you throw Michael Jordan there. Michael Jordan's a player developer. And Michael Jordan could definitely recruit. I say Mike, come back and coach. Um, <laughs> Mike is not trying to deal with no eighteen year olds fresh out of high school. Well, he definitely can't play. Golf, coach but, coach know, him, draft him. He can do it hilarious. all. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the ceiling is the roof. Anyway, um, I, I, here's what you're what you're you're missing, though, Jeremy. Yeah, they're losing a couple guys that are saying they're going to the draft. But one, like Dayron Sharp is probably coming back to school. Why in the world are you leaving? Like he hasn't hired an agent. Why are you trying to declare for the draft when you average seven points and six boards or whatever it was? Like, come on, man. That's You're fresh. Like don't rush it. 
Steven Adams did it, and he said, uh, I didn't expect to get drafted. We kinda, did I just you hear what said he said about uh, Rick Carlisle? It's, I, don't, I remember you telling me about it. He I don't said Rick Carlisle what said, he said, hey, man, you, you average six points and six rebounds. Why are you coming out early? He said, I said, I thought I'd throw myself in the hat and see how I do. He said, oh, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's really not a good idea. But, you know, listen, it, it, Walker Kessler's a big loss. He was playing well towards the end of the year. Um, but maybe, you know, with the, a new coach, maybe he, he, he changes his mind. He hasn't actually decided on a destination yet. So, you know, there's, there's do, you, do you think that's more of a um, – uh, do you think Roy probably told him already and that's why he announced he's – I would assume that might have something to do with it. It's possible, or it could be he just didn't feel like he was getting enough playing time based on the way he was performing compared to others. And, I mean, I think he'd have a legitimate argument because there were a lot of guys that were getting a lot more playing time to him that were not performing at the level he was. So I, th- I, mean, I think specifically, um, what's my guy that, that was preseason ACC player of the year but looked like uh, the the uh, MEAC sixth man of the year? Um the uh from I can't even think of his name. Um light skin guy number fifteen, uh out of Birmingham. I can't even remember his name, but yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean I think I think it could be that. It could be it could be Roy's already told him. I I'm I'm not sure, but I can tell you one thing. Now that it's out there, um they, they need to they need to very quickly find someone to, to uh to take that role. So there's obviously you can't trust every report. There's a report out on uh, 24/7 that said that Roy Williams had was not planning to retire, but um, basically he became increasingly fed up with the direction of the college ba- uh, direction of college basketball, and, and uh, the Walker Kessler transfer was a nail in the coffin. <laughs> He's like, look, <laughs> we got all like we got, I got. I got a dude who was not highly touted, who I brought in, developed for a year, and now you're already mad and you're leaving. Like I. I feel him, man. I feel him. I'm not gonna lie. He was probably like, "Look, dude, it's like COVID season. Nobody's even playing. All the player players about to go to the NBA. Everybody's gonna be in the in the G League. Like, what are we doing here?" Right. <laughs> hey, let's keep it in the NCAA, fellas. You know, it's been some pretty good games, man. To be honest with you, I haven't really been keeping up with college basketball that much this year. But uh, watching the games, man, I, I like the fact that you know it's not, it's, it's really not one other than maybe Gonzaga that's like been dominant the entire season. So you know, the drama's been there. Um, let's talk about who you guys got got going to uh, to win the championship, man. With the final four being here from the from the women's side and the men's side. Yeah, let me let me go through what what made me so mad. So I'm not sure if y'all remember, but on the the last podcast and when we were talking about this, I said my dark horse, my dark horse for possibly going to the final four is Michigan State. They play UCLA in the first four, and Michigan State has already beaten three. Uh, uh, top th- uh, two seeds in the last month. I expect them to beat UCLA in a close game and then go on a run. And they're up 14 points at halftime versus UCLA. Michigan State's player gets into an argument with with uh, with uh, Izzo, and then they blow the lead and lose in overtime to UCLA. Who is where in the freaking Final Four? How do you guys? Now, at least the positive is this: remember on the old brackets where you had to hand fill them out where they had the, the, the first four, like you would put UCLA slash Michigan State, right? You put both of them in there, at least if that was the case, I would still have my pick and be good. But, I mean, that, that should have been money, and that's what it, it, it should have been, and it ended up being 
Uh, no bueno. First of all, I, I want to give a shout out in, in the middle of your uh, rant. I want to give a shout out to uh, my boy Chris Clark. You know, Chris right now has the 27th best bracket in the nation. I saw. I saw. That's nuts. <laughs> That's nuts. Cashews, actually. Yeah. But, Jerry, Jerry who, what do you think about the, the final the final pick? Who, who you got winning it all on women's and the men's? So, one, I wanted Michigan to win it. Um, but, obviously, they, their, their best player was out, um, which obviously hurt them. And at the end of the game, they kept going to Wagner for some apparent reason who kept airballing shots. Um, <laughs> so, right now, it's, it's Gonzaga versus the field. Gonzaga's going to win it. Um, I mean, they played – one of the easiest bracket, I think, of all time. I mean, you look at them; they haven't played like they like. Look at their their bracket. It's like all right, they played USC, who was a six seed. They played uh, they played Creighton. They played their first round game. They played. I mean, they're and now they're in the final four. And they're playing uh, was that eleven seed UCLA in the final four. It's like all right, like you guys are uh, are taking advantage. Yeah. of uh, yeah, I'm telling you the secret though. Everybody sucks in college basketball. You I agree. Know. I agree. So I think um, with that being said, I think it's going to end up being um, Baylor versus uh, Gonzaga. But if I had my choice, I would go with Houston um, if I was picking one. The thing about Houston, people don't remember. So Ralph Sampson used to be the coach – not Ralph Sampson. Um, uh, Cal- it's, it's Sampson. I can't think of his first name. Um, maybe Mike. He was, um, he was the head coach at Oklahoma – and then he was the head coach at Indiana. Both places he had some NCAA violations that ended up leading to him being terminated. And then he went to work in the NBA, and he was on like a show cause thing for the NCAA where he couldn't get a job. And he went to Houston and took kind of a job that not a lot of people wanted. And he's got these guys in the Final Four for the first time since uh, I believe that I, I believe it's like 1984. It's the first time since then. So 83. Um, I mean, if, if you've done anything that nobody nobody has done since Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon were in school, then you're doing some big things, man. So I'm rooting for him to win. Hopefully, he could be. I couldn't. I couldn't think of his name either. Yeah, I was. I was like, I, I know that dude's name's not Ralph. Um, uh, but if if you can put something together where you could, you know, he could win a national championship there. Maybe he le- that leaves to Scott Drew leaving Baylor, coming to UNC, and uh. You know, us being really good again, you know? Yeah, man, for sure. Um, what about side, Jerry? You got to yes, win that. Uh, side, you see, hey, UConn's probably going to win it, even though U, uh, USC is playing some great basketball. They had an epic game earlier in the season. But with that being said, there's no reason they're in there because they lost. Anybody that watched the end of that Baylor game versus UConn, it was clearly a foul. Unquestionably a foul, and there's no reason why it was not called a foul. If you have reviews and you can't review an actual foul, especially a foul that comes on the last shot of the game down one, where it's that obvious, then get rid of reviews because that's the whole point of having it. That's the whole point of having it. I, I, I will say this: so I didn't really watch much of that game. Um, I was w- watching my my Pelicans play, but. Um, ultimately, I, I listened to Jay Williams talk about it. Who said he watched the entire game, and he said that he felt like the entire first half that Baylor got every call. Um, uh, Coach Ariema alluded to it, where he said they they took thirteen free throws in the first half, and and you got only took two. And he said that basically the refs let them play all game. 
he said the possession before uh page what's your name i can't think of her name the the number one player in the nation well got got fouled and should have had an and one so. yeah yeah basically page bucket yeah he said he yeah, said she should have he said she should have had an one on the play before no. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, I, I agree. Like, yeah, maybe there are some calls that, that could have gone the other way. But whenever you have a foul that's so obvious that the ball's airballed because the hand is hit so hard, then, like, you got to call it. Like, that's yeah, that's one of the I, I agree, but there, there's still no no guarantee she's going to make both free throws. So I'm not going to say they lost the game. I'll say they, they got screwed, but I'm not going to say they, they, they shouldn't have won the game. Like they, they Even if she makes both free throws, they got six seconds to come back and make both. Um, but ultimately um, – I would agree with a lot of your sentiments. I don't think they're going to win at all. I think South Carolina is going to win it. South Carolina is playing some great ball. I don't know if you guys watched the Elite Eight game. They played the Elite Eight game and held the team to 34 points. They've had the only game yeah. in college basketball tournament history where they held the team scoreless for a quarter. In the Elite Eight, the fourth quarter, they didn't allow us to point. So um, they're playing great ball. Yeah, wow. they're going against Stanford, who's uh, the overall number one seed. It's going to be a great game on Friday. Um, I think that UConn is going to blow out Arizona. I don't think it's going to be very close. I think UConn's the number overall. Uh-huh. No, no, it's it, if I'm not mistaken, it's Arizona versus South Carolina. No, no, no. Right? Uh, South Carolina's playing Stanford. Uh, Arizona's playing UConn. Um, so I'm looking forward to. I knew. Um, I knew South Carolina. I knew Arizona had the black head coach uh, as well, so I thought they were playing versus each other. I didn't realize they were uh, in separate brackets. No, there's, there's, they're on the other side. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting to see that matchup, but I think it's going to end up being UConn versus South Carolina, another up matchup. I think Don Staley is going to get it done. Honestly, they had a better team last year, and it had not been the COVID season. When they finished the year number one, I think they would have won the national championship last year as well. So I think she's missing one out from that. But um, I think they're going to win. But Jimmy, Before, I think they, got declared, they got declared the national champions last year. So, oh, did they? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, a- AP gave them the national championship. So, so I'm not even gonna be. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, they're, well, they're I wouldn't. Ask I so. um, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. just, just looking, just looking from the men's side, uh, Gonzaga, man, they're they're the best team. I mean, they they've only had 32 seconds of the entire tournament that they've only been up, or that they haven't been up by double digits in the second half of the game, and that was for 32 seconds. They were up by nine points. Um, earlier in one of the earlier games, they're gonna blow out um, UCLA because UCLA is not good. UCLA's won two games in overtime, another game in the last second shot. I mean, they've really been skating on thin ice for a while, and they're gonna get blown out. I see that game being a thirty-point win. I'm definitely betting on Gonzaga in that game. I don't know the spread is like fourteen. Still betting it. Um, but uh, the other side, I think that's gonna be a great matchup. Kelvin Sampson is a great coach, um, and I think it's gonna be a really, really tough battle. With Baylor, two Texas schools going at it. Um, I think Baylor's a better team. I think uh, Ralph could put together a game plan to make it look tough. I'm going to pick Baylor and um, to get through, although I, I would give Houston probably a 30% chance of winning that game. If Houston plays uh, Gonzaga, they have no chance of beating them. But I think Baylor has a shot at beating Gonzaga. So if Baylor plays Gonzaga, it'll be the only close game Gonzaga has all, all tournament. Um, I, I could see Gonzaga maybe winning by a single by five to six points, but Bailey could pull that up. To so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Gonzaga, but if I had to like bet on somebody to win it, probably it's gonna be uh, Baylor. I bet on because the odds are just too high on Gonzaga. They were the the, the Sharks this, this tournament were actually betting Gonzaga against the field, which you never see. 
Here's what I will tell you, though, and this is this is an important thing to remember. They better win now because next year, Azzy Fudd comes in, and I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen Azzy Fudd. She is the number one high school girls basketball player in America. She is, like, generational. She's 5'11". She shoots like Steph Curry, and she's the first woman or first girl to ever win National Basketball Player of the Year as a sophomore in high school. She won it when Paige was a junior and everybody else, and then she won it again this year. Last year, she tore her ACL, so she didn't win it. But she literally won National Player of the Year as a sophomore in high school. And I watched a video of her doing shooting drills, and she hit 75 straight three-pointers. And that was her sophomore year. So she's coming in to join Paige Buckers next year. That might as well just go ahead and, and wrap that up. Yeah, just go ahead and put a bow on that because yep. Paige, Paige Buckets, though, I mean, the way the way she shoots, though, like, it's just – it's very Steph curry It's like it hits the yep. bottom of the back of the rim every yep. time. Jared, Jared, I, I would point this out, though. So she, she is going there, and they got the number five girl in the country coming there. But South Carolina does have the number two – the number three and the number four prospects coming there. They both they all have the same grade as Azzy. And they have the number fourteen prospect who's also rated ninety six. So they, they game on. The <laughs> but uh-huh. they may have the same grade, but RJ Barrett had a higher grade than than, than Zion. Watch him play and you realize like that's not no. I'm, I'm sure she's probably she's ranked number one, so I'm sure she's the best. But I'm saying if if you throw enough talent on one team like, it's not going to be like she's – I mean, it's not going to be – even if it's LeBron in high school, he still was going to be going against Carmelo in college, and it was going to be a battle. So. I, think, I, I just think – I think her and Paige Buckers is, is – I mean, Paige won National Player of the Year this year as a freshman, and you throw in yeah. – um, I mean, this. I mean, I, I, Matter of fact, the number, the number two girl who's going there, she's a point guard. She, she plays at Westlake. I know. We watched her. I, me and Jamie went to see her play. Dude, Westlake's team, by the way, and last thing, Westlake's team hasn't lost a game – I think in, in four years, their coach should get, like, a college job. She had those girls. I mean, they, we watched the state championship game. I want to say they were up 35. And they have – at now, at Westlake, I want to say they had on one team six girls who were top 50 players in their class. Uh, and, like, every year she has new ones. So uh, she's obviously doing a fantastic job developing. So uh, shout out to her. Yeah, man, absolutely, man. We gotta start shining more of a light on, you know, just women's basketball, women's sports in general, man. You know, yep. they don't get the, the shine they deserve, and they they need to, man. So, uh, let's move on to the NFL, fellas. Um, a lot of trades have been going down in the NFL. Excuse me. Um, the Forty Nineers uh, traded three first round picks and a third round pick to move up to number three in the draft, um, and then the Dolphins then trade to move back up to six. Kind of what what's going on with these uh with these moves from uh from these NFL teams, man? Let's start with you, Jerry. Um, I think they're foolish. I think they're silly. I think they're dumb. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I even have enough words to describe how stupid these are. You get if, if you give up three first and a third, you better be getting Deshaun back. Like literally, and and not like hey, this guy's gonna be Deshaun. Like actually, Deshaun, you need to be getting Deshaun back. And I wouldn't even get on that much of Deshaun right now with all the allegations. But you better be getting Deshaun before the before the, the allegations or getting Russ Wilson or somebody back. Look, you don't know what these guys are going to be. You know how good a prospect Roger uh, RG3 was? You know how good a prospect like, players have been who didn't pan out to be who you thought they were going to be? Like, I mean, if you really go back and look at it, would any of these players have had a higher grade than, than uh, Josh Rosen? Rosen? 
Probably not. They, they were and, and not, so, not Josh Rosen his freshman year, but Josh had had a couple down years. So yeah, yeah but I mean, he, he, he would have been right here in this bath, this thing they're 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 looking at. So to me, I think it's silly. If I was uh, a team, and I know I'm alone in this in this Sam Darnold bracket, I would have traded a third and got Sam Darnold. And look, we would have used the our, our traded. I probably would have traded back, got some extra pick, added more players to the team. If if he didn't work out next year, you know what I do next year? I draft a quarterback because there could be twelve more quarterbacks look just like all these right here. Every year they come up with this list of, oh man, this guy's gonna be a superstar. This guy's gonna be a superstar. This guy's gonna be a superstar. No, I'm not. I'm not doing it. So to me, it's silly. I think that um, that uh, trading back and then trading back into the, later in the um, into the into the draft was was really really smart for um, Miami. But I think the Jets should have traded back. Um, in the, in the draft and, and, and taking that same deal because they could have gotten back to six. To me, the Jets um, are going to draft a quarterback. If I were them, um, as Shannon Sharp actually said, I heard this and I, I agree with the idea, maybe you draft uh, Kyle Pitts and then you move back up into the draft with all those other draft capital you got and take um, one of the two wide receivers, uh, Chase uh, or Jamar Chase or um, your boy from uh, Alabama. So, uh, ultimately, I think they just got to grab a weapon. I think this is the most loaded receiver draft in, in, in recent history, so I think players are going to be able to get really, really high-quality prospect um, at that position. If you think about Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson broke Randy Moss's receiving record as a, as a rookie this year in the league, and he was a number two receiver on his college team on Jamar Chase. So to me, Jamar Chase, uh, I mean, I, I think he ran a 4-3-8 yesterday. Uh, I mean, that guy's unbelievable. Kyle Pitts is going to be generational. I mean, to me, all the talent is really in wide receivers. So trading up to get a quarterback at this point in time is silly, and I don't agree with it. I think um, Bill Belichick's going to end up with Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's probably going to end up playing playing him pretty well. So, um, yeah, I think most of these, most of these trades have been stupid. And, uh, yeah, I mean, none of them are going to compare to Jameis this year. All right, Eddie, I was thinking about this, uh, this move from uh, – but trade perspective with all these teams in the NFL right now, man. I actually like this. I mean, I, I really do. I think there's a um, there's two sides of this coin. I think the first is this. If you're the 49ers, what are you missing? Only thing you're missing is a quarterback. I mean, you got Jimmy G, but Jimmy G can't stay healthy. And because he can't stay healthy, now you're you're dealing with a a team where you're you're consistently having Nick Mullins going out there and trying to play quarterback. And that's just that's just not realistic if your if your goal is to be a winning football team and so i think that in and of itself is trying to get yourself i think initially i think they were trying to get Deshaun before all the allegations um but i think that boiled down to it and i think when you're looking at the third spot i do think this year's quarterback draft is not a normal quarterback draft you say oh every year there's gonna there's not justin fields is an elite prospect justin fields in a normal draft had they not been COVID, would have been the number one overall pick. I mean, when we talk about players and, and upside, I mean, Justin Fields ran a four four three forty at the combine, and um, you know, on top of that, he did a uh, he, uh, he 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 is one of the most accurate passes in the, um in, in college football. And then you you take on take that into perspective and say, right, he ha- he's had no real character issues uh, that we've heard of. We look at the fact that. 
he had his his biggest um strength is deep ball accuracy and his mobility. And when you look at Kyle Shanahan and his offense and the way he likes to run the ball, I think putting him there or Trey Lance there would be an excellent move. If they draft Matt Jones, I think Matt Jones is going to be a terrible bust. I'm sorry. And everybody says, oh, yeah, look how great he was. And he was excellent this year. Take nothing away from him. But I'm going to be 100% honest. If you took Matt Jones and you put him – I saw somebody say the argument. They said if you put him at Syracuse and you gave him those weapons, how are they going to be? Right? He looked at a team and had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell and other weapons behind him. They had the number one running back, uh, according to most people, in Najee Harris. And you throw in – you know, offensive line that, that was rated the, the outland best offensive line in football, and he looked excellent. And I'm not telling you that he's not a solid quarterback, but you know what? His comp for me would be Andy Dalton. I don't think he has any of the physical abilities to be able to lead your team or to carry your team. I think he could be serviceable. I don't see him being a guy that you trade three first-round picks and a third to move up to. Um, and also, if you get one of those quarterbacks, Jeremy, you get him on a rookie deal, uh, which is also helpful. The other end of it is this. It is a deep draft. So when you talk about wide receivers, there's you're going to get wide receivers late in the draft that normally would probably be a first or second round pick. There's talk that Sage Surratt is probably going to be a third or a fourth round pick. I mean, you got guys like uh, Rondell Moore, who's projected right now to go late second round. And Rondell Moore has been a stud since his freshman year. He ran a 4-2-9 at the combine and had a 40, I think it was a 43-inch vertical. I mean, you got guys that are are highly touted players who are going to go later in the draft. Um, so I think you can wait on that. The other part of this I do want to touch on. One quick question. Go ahead. One quick question. Tell me, tell me what Justin Fields is better at than Geno Smith was coming out. Oh, everything. He's a better passer. He's significantly more accurate. No, he wasn't a better passer. He, he was a better passer. Geno Smith played in a Rich Rodriguez offense that was designed for just being able to make any quarterback look good. It was almost the same kind of offense that Graham Harrell played at at Texas Tech. A lot of those guys played in. Justin Fields is extremely accurate. I mean, we we looked at this year where it was a shortened season. I mean, mean, before that, last year, Justin Fields uh, went through the entire season. I think he had two interceptions going up into the the National Semis, his first 14 games. I mean, he he throws the ball extremely accurately. And then the other part, athletically, they're not even close. Geno was like a 4 He's much better athlete. I'll give you that. He's, I mean, he's fast, but I don't think he's elusive. I mean, the fact that he got lit up as bad as he did against that Clemson game tells you he's not elusive. You get hit by that guy uh, square on like that, you don't need to be running in the NFL. Here's the thing. I think he tried to juke, and I think in the NFL he'll probably be sliding. So here, here's the here's the side that I do want to talk, touch on. If you look at the Dolphins' side, they traded these first-round picks. They traded, um, the, they traded the, the number three pick to San Francisco, got three first and a third. Essentially, they traded two two of those firsts to Philly to move back up to the number six spot. Here's why I think that's important. One, they weren't drafting a quarterback to begin with. So I think what what their general manager did, Chris, I think it's Chris Greer, uh, who's done a phenomenal job there. Uh, what he was able to do was to get the same type of player he was expecting to get at number three because he wasn't going to get a quarterback. And so now he's going to have a choice of either if Kyle Pitts is there, which I don't expect, or Penny Sewell might be there, a left tackle from Oregon who's a very good left tackle. Or either Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase. One of those four players is going to be there at number six. Once you get to that spot, now I think he's setting himself up perfectly. Because here's the thing I think is happening. I'm going to touch on this real quick because I don't want to dive too deep into it. But I think Deshaun Watson 
is going. I think what we're working at right now is I think there's a settlement that is going to be taking place. Here's the reason why I went onto it on on the Amibros IG yesterday. You can listen to the full expl- explanation. But here's what I think is happening: Deshaun Watson, uh, his attorney put out um, 18 massage therapists who who backed his statement as, of, of he's never done anything inappropriate with them. I think from that end. I don't think that speaks to innocent or guilt, but I think that's a great PR play for him because I think it will give the semblance to a team that trades for him that, hey, maybe this wasn't true. We have all these women who said he's never done that. Tony Busby, who's the attorney for the defendants, was supposed to deliver all this information to the Houston Police Department. All of a sudden, he said he doesn't feel comfortable delivering it to the police department. I think with that being said, I think there's been conversations about a settlement, and if there are a poli- or there's a police investigation that starts – he can no longer sell with those those uh, defendants or those accusers because of the fact that if that happens, then that could be uh, you know paying a you know to to defer cooperation from a police investigation. So I think that's in, in play, and so I think there's going to be a settlement on that end. And I think what Chris Greer is doing for the Dolphins is he got an extra first round pick that he can utilize in the in a trade for Deshaun Watson if that happens. So if Tua, if they can. After the draft, if there there could be some kind of settlement where then a determination could be made, hey, Deshaun's going to either not get suspended or he gets suspended four games, six games, something along those lines. I think that Chris Greer has now given himself an extra first round pick next year to, that where he could trade four first round picks to the Texans in order to acquire a Deshaun Watson and only really be trading two of his first round picks and still have gotten the player that he wanted to get in this year's draft. I think that's what's being set up. Um, from the reports, the Dolphins are still extremely interested in getting Deshaun if that situation gets taken care of. So I think there is going to be a settlement that takes place uh, with a non-disclosure, which is going to lead to a quick resolution. And I think really the Dolphins made this trade in order to facilitate an eventual Deshaun Watson trade, which I expect to happen before the beginning of the NFL season. Jay, you sound like Q. You heard it here for first. I, I sound like who? I say you sound like Q. Who's Q? <laughs> from Q and I. Oh, no, no, I, I really don't. I, literally, I'm telling you. I, I, I think this is there, – there's another – You not know who Q is? I, 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 when you said Q, I was thinking from 112, and I was like, wait, what? So, anyway, um, I think – I really do think, though, I, I from the, the tea leaves of the Deshaun situation, one, that Tony Busby said that Deshaun's intermediaries have been reaching out to some of their accusers for settlements, the fact that the PR – Thing was put out yesterday with the other massage therapist. The fact that the uh, the attorney did not turn over the information to the police department. I think there's some signs that show that there's likely going to be a settlement that takes place. And I think that the Dolphins are setting themselves up by accumulating the extra first round pick. All right, man. You know, uh, man, uh, Deshaun Watson. Man, I don't know what to. I don't know what to say, man. I want to let the facts play out. I'm not really too concerned about where he's going as a team, to a team. It's more, you know, uh, sorting out these accusations, man. There's some pretty pretty crazy accusations out there on them. But, you know, hopefully everything uh, works works out for the best for both sides, man. Um, I agree. And, and like I said, speaking of no innocence or guilt, I think obviously the allegations are incredibly disturbing. And if, if he's guilty of doing those, which, I mean, you got some – now you have – I think there's two sides of the story. I mean, obviously you got – the SI article where a lady who alleges that she's not one of the people suing who said, Hey, he was inappropriate. Although he didn't touch her or anything, but he was thrusting his hips back and forth. There's a lot of graphic details in that. If he's guilty, he should be held accountable to it. I'm not speaking to innocence or guilt. I just think based on whether he's innocent or he's guilty, I think the reality is it's in the best interest of him to settle 
because I think Rusty Harden, they said for him just to be on retainer is a million dollars. And if this drags out, it's likely going to go one to two years. And if that's the case, then he's likely going to be put on the commissioner's exempt list. He's likely going to lose a year worth of, uh, of potential salary. I think it's in the best interest of all parties involved to make a solution or a settlement to make that go away. I expect that to happen. All right, man. Uh, any parting thoughts when we get up out of here, fellas? Um, listen, I, I got to give a shout out. Um, and this is this is not going to go on a deficit, but, but a shout out. To the Lakers for for getting Andre Drummond and setting themselves up for for another championship. I expect us to do that. I think my boy Brian is getting healthy. AD is getting healthy. We're gonna have the freshest team. Uh, I mean, besides KD, and if he comes back, he's gonna be fresh. I'm assuming because of the fact that he's been out for about the same amount of time. And uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to one of the greatest finals in in, in recent memory: the the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay. I'm 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 looking forward to uh, watching you guys in the playing game play against my boys. Um, <laughs> ultimately, I will say this: uh, hopefully, Zion's feeling better. Apparently, uh, he sprained his thumb against the Celtics. They thought it was serious, where he's got to miss some weeks, but now he's he's just day to day. He's questionable for the night. But you know, yeah, I'm surprised he doesn't get more injured with the fact that he literally goes through the lane and gets swatted on literally all day and still shoots. 60% from the field. Crazy. Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm excited to get out on the golf course this weekend, hopefully. Um, you know, if, if everything uh, works out right. And then we got uh, we got Masters next week, man. So it's, it's definitely one of my favorite parts, time of the year. So yeah, yeah, we'll be uh, well, next you guys probably next week. Uh, we're going to talk some Masters talk and uh, go from there, man. So uh, appreciate you guys tuning in to us for another week. Uh, make sure you follow us on uh, Instagram with me, bros underscore podcast. And uh, we will holler at you guys next week, man. Everybody be safe and uh, Godspeed.